we start the show with some breaking news. Ryan Grigson is guaranteed to fuck up Andrew Luck's career. You thought I was going to go Josh Gordon's latest failed drug test there, didn't you? Of course we're starting the show with Josh Gordon's latest failed drug test. The problem is, I don't have any new ideas. I've covered Josh Gordon on many shows. Go to the Roto Underworld YouTube channel, and you can search for Josh Gordon, you can search for Justin Blackman, and there's at least three segments posted there about Josh Gordon and his situation. I've said everything that there is to say. In fact, I've said everything that there is to say that everyone is now saying a year ago. There's like a one-year delay from me saying something on Roto Underworld Radio to mainstream voices finally waking up and regurgitating it. Literally one year ahead of the sports Neanderthal army. That feels great. It's fine. We'll be a year ahead. We'll talk about stuff now that most people will mention a year from now. And that's just the way the show will be. Josh Gordon has substance abuse problems. That's it. It's a brain chemistry problem that cannot be solved cold turkey. And for this reason, very, very few professional athletes with Gordon's condition ever get back to the top of their sport. It's highly improbable that he ever comes back at this point. And the system is set up to be punitive, not rehabilitate, which only exacerbates the problem. He's unlikely to play football again, and he will absolutely never be a WR1 in fantasy again. Which, of course, takes us back to Ryan Grigson. (laughs) Yes! Because a year from now, Ryan Grigson will be getting fired, and this topic will be on the mind of many mainstream sports analysts. But that's what we do on this show. We talk about things a year before they happen. Ryan Grigson has no strategic vision. He does not use a data-driven player evaluation process. He has no logical roster construction methodology. Furthermore, I doubt that Grigson has the salesmanship skills to convince Andrew Locke to take less money like Tom Brady did. The future of the Colts franchise is in Ryan Grigson's hands. He has to convince Andrew Locke to take less money for the team's greater good like Bill Belichick convinced Tom Brady to do the same. And I don't believe Ryan Grigson has that ability. When did Ryan Grigson do something right? Can we point to a time in his career as the general manager of the Colts? And you can say, Ryan Grigson, he got that one right. He did. Knows what he's doing right there. Smart move. He nailed it. Yes, we can. There is one. Dante Moncrief. Drafting Dante Moncrief in the third round was the right move. It was smart, but it was also the ultimate false positive. A blind squirrel tripping over a nut in the third round. That's what happened. We weren't sure that was what happened. Maybe he was enlightened back in 2014. At the time, I wasn't sure. Wow, Ryan Grigson selected Dante Moncrief. That was smart. I was perplexed. And then I watched future moves play themselves out. And it culminated with the Philip Dorsett pick. Ah, yes. That's the real Ryan Grigson. I remember it like it was yesterday. Maybe one of the worst draft picks in the history of the NFL. Because... Philip Dorsett at the time did not belong in the first round of the draft, and he played a position that was dead last on the hierarchy of Colts team needs. <laughs> I that just just thinking back to the Philip Dorsett pick renders me speechless. Drafting Philip Dorsett there was as insane as the Colts using a first rounder on a quarterback. But that's Ryan Grigson. 
This was the team that went out and signed Andre Johnson and then jumped into a bidding war for Frank Gore of all players and won. Someone found a way to outbid Chip Kelly for an aging running back. That's Ryan Grigson. For this reason, I think all the mock drafters that have C.J. Procise going to the Colts are wrong because they are looking at the Colts' offense and the roster needs and how well those factors align with C.J. Procise's skill set. And C.J. Procise's skill set is impressive. C.J. Procise has played the running back position for a grand total of one year. And in that one year, he posted a 26.2%, 46 percentile college dominator rating. At a major conference school in your first year playing the position is impressive. His yards per carry, 6.6 at Notre Dame, 90th percentile. Wow. Yeah, sure, his breakout age, 21.3. Old, fine. Why? Because he was playing wide receiver for the first three years. As a junior playing wide receiver, C.J. Procise posted 29 receptions for 516 yards, 17.8 yards per reception for C.J. Procise. What? As a receiver! He's six foot, 220 pounds. He looks like a running back. How it took the Notre Dame coaches three years to install C.J. Procise as a running back, I will never know. So after three years playing wide receiver, they said, yeah, 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 yeah. So hey, listen, hey, come here, CJ. Uh, maybe switch positions. Can you do that? Really? A brand new position, brand new footwork, brand new skill set. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to go out, roll up 6.6 yards per carry, 90th percentile. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. And we know he's a sublime receiver. He had 516 yards as a receiver the year before. And then CJ Procise posted 26 receptions for 300 yards, 11.8 yards per reception out of the backfield in his senior season at Notre Dame. Wow! 11.8 yards per reception out of the backfield? Think about that for a second. Jarvis Landry's thinking, how the hell did he do that? I don't know how he did it. CJ Procise is a riddle. How did he convert from wide receiver to running back? so effortlessly, so seamlessly. I don't know. The only answer that I can find is that he is one of the best athletes at the running back position that we've seen in recent years. That's the only explanation. That's why on playerprofiler.com's player rankings, you can go to playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. I have CJ Procise entrenched as my number three running back in this class because I can use my imagination. We've talked about this on previous shows. This idea that you can just plug two or three numbers into a spreadsheet, sort it. Well, there's my projection formula all done. And there's my rankings. It's online. No. The best player rankings utilize heuristics, are compiled by people that have imagination, that are weighing a wealth of input factors. Those are the rankings you want to be looking at. And when someone looks at CJ Procise, you are required to use your imagination in order to project him properly because he's played one year at the running back position. One, one. So you're telling me you're just going to take his stats from that one season, plug him into your model and rank him accordingly. You're not going to try to think outside the spreadsheet just for a second with CJ Procise. Yeah, those sound like some really good rankings. Those sound like rankings that I want to help power my Dynasty League team. Those are the rankings I want to fall back on when I'm in my Dynasty rookie draft. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you know what you're doing with CJ Procise. Way to plug those three numbers in and sort it. Good job, buddy. 
Maybe that's what Ryan Grigson's doing. Maybe that's it. Maybe Ryan Grigson is just a metric simpleton. Just takes his three numbers into his spreadsheet, sorts it. I'm a metrics guy. And if Ryan Grigson did that, he would not be drafting CJ Procise because CJ Procise wasn't productive enough in his final year. And in his final year, he was 21 years old. That's old. That's too old. We only want players that produce at a very young age. If they produce at an old age, well, that's pretty useless. One of the input factors, of course, in our spreadsheet is age. And that pretty much factors out CJ Procise. We're not allowed to use our imagination. No, no, we're not allowed to look at individual players and their situations. No, 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 no. We have the spreadsheet. It's sorted. That's it. That's it. Why would we do anything else? just a waste of our time to consider the fact that C.J. Procise played wide receiver for three years before converting to running back. <laughs> Why would I care about that? That's just noise. That's just noise. <laughs> Imagine Ryan Grigson in his office talking to a scout about C.J. Procise. The scout says, well, he'd be a great fit in the Colts offense. High pass volume, great receiver out of the backfield. Actually played wide receiver for three years at Notre Dame. That's just noise. Don't, don't get out of here, scout. I don't need C.J. Procise. We have Frank Gore. Fur, fur, fur. No, drafting C.J. Procise would be way too logical for Ryan Grigson to pull off. He doesn't do logical things. So there's no way you can project C.J. Procise to go to the Colts. The people that are doing that in their mock drafts, having C.J. Procise being drafted by the Colts, they're focusing on the wrong sorts of details. They're assuming logic. They're assuming that the Colts draft players based on need to address roster weaknesses. They don't do that. That's not how Ryan Grigson plays this game. We have no idea what he's doing. I have no idea. If you want to get into the head of Ryan Grigson, no, don't do that. Do not do that. That's a bad idea. But if you're at least trying to imagine and project who the Colts will draft in 2016, what you need to do is focus on the players that the team needs the least. Will Fuller. That's who I have the Colts drafting in two weeks. Well, another player that could help the Colts is Derrick Henry. I said on the Football Die Hard show that I dream of Derrick Henry going to the Patriots. And you can subscribe to the Football Die Hard Show. Just go to iTunes, search for Football Die Hard's Pod with Matt Kelly. And you can subscribe. But Derrick Henry doesn't need to go to the Patriots to be successful in the NFL. Like Todd Gurley last year, I'm not overly concerned about where Derrick Henry ends up landing. Because if Derrick Henry is on a football field, Derrick Henry dominates! Derrick Henry is the second best skill position player in this draft, and it isn't particularly close. I keep hearing Derrick Henry is landing spot dependent, though. Yeah. I like Derrick Henry, but it really depends on his landing spot. Yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. Fantastic running back. Really a pleasure to watch, but meh. Have to see where he's drafted. Very landing spot dependent, this Derrick Henry. Really depends on the scheme he finds himself in. Needs to be in the right scheme to be successful. Why? 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 Sure, I'd rather see Derrick Henry on an efficient offense with an above-average offensive line. I'd also rather stay in on a Saturday night, watch The Martian for the seventh time. I'd rather do that than go out with my wife and see another mind-numbing rom-com in the theater. But these are things that are beyond my control. Given all the wide receivers in this class have potential flaws, potential fatal flaws, I'm always thrilled to tuck either Elliott or Henry under my wing. Because Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott 
are the two players in this draft with by far and away the highest floors. Each has a rare combination of youth, size-adjusted athleticism, age-adjusted college production. (gasps) Yes, age is a factor. Yes, it is. Oh, it definitely is. And immediate projected opportunity. Only Elliott and Henry possess those attributes and positive factors. That's why on my Dynasty Big Board, if I had a Dynasty Big Board like Mel Kuyper, hey, it's Mel Kuyper, come on, Dynasty Big Board. <laughs> that, was, that was me doing Frank Caliendo doing Mel Kuyper. I don't even think it was that. I think it was me doing Frank Caliendo doing John Gruden doing Mel Kuyper. That's how bad that was. But on my Dynasty Big Board, yeah, my Dynasty Big Board, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry. And then receivers. So if I had the second pick in a draft, I'm taking Derrick Henry. Even though (sighs) Derrick Henry's potential really depends on where he lands. Yeah. yeah. Derrick Henry's NFL career will depend on which blocking scheme he ends up landing with. Derrick Henry's NFL production will depend on his blocking scheme. The word scheme is my least favorite word in all of fantasy football. Oh, needs the right scheme. Oh, is he a scheme fit? Scheme, 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 scheme. Scheme is a four-letter word for me in fantasy football, but you hear it all the time. Listen, Derek, I'm a fantasy football expert, so trust me. I know that you're a one-dimensional player who can only succeed in a specific scheme. How do I know this? Well, duh. I'm a fantasy football expert, Derek. I know these things. <laughs> and Derek Henry's like, uh, where is the evidence of this? Trust me, Derek. I follow other very smart fantasy experts on Twitter, and they are repeating what the other fantasy experts on Twitter are also saying. And then they're saying it, and then someone else is saying it, and it's bouncing back and forth in an echo chamber called Football Twitter. Oh, by the way, they're also saying that bad Michael Thomas is comparable to Des Bryant, so it must be true, too. Do you follow football Twitter, Derrick Henry? No? No, I didn't think so. I am a fantasy football expert. I know schemes, and I know you better than you know yourself, and I know where you fit well and where you don't fit well. You are very scheme-dependent. I won't even draft you until I find out where you land, because you're so landing spot-dependent, Derrick Henry. And I know this because I know it. I just know it. I'm on football Twitter. (sighs) Yes, Derrick Henry. When you are drafted, I will know with definitive certainty which teams are good fits for you and which teams are bad fits for you because I'm a fantasy football expert. (laughs) And again, Derrick's like, how could you possibly know that? How? How? Why? Why do you say these things? How do you know this? Derek, 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 Derek. Didn't I just get done telling you that I am a fantasy football expert? Just trust me. It's just asinine. It's an easy cheat code for me. If someone says scheme fit, I just hit the mute button on Twitter. Automatic. In fact, I'm going to develop a script for it. Just an automatic script that runs in the background. If anyone I follow says the word scheme fit, mute. It's that easy. Because here's what I actually know. The scheme doesn't matter with Derrick Henry or almost any running back. And the fantasy experts on Twitter don't know one scheme from the next. 
and no one knows which offenses and which offensive lines will be the most efficient and prolific next season. So get out of here with your scheme fit crystal ball gypsy nonsense. So where does it leave us? It leaves us knowing that Derrick Henry is one of the most impressive, size-adjusted athletes and most dominant college producers in the history of the running back position. That's what we know. That's what matters. And that's why I'm taking Derrick Henry with the second pick in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. Now, speaking of measurements that matter, I read this. Ooh, looks like Player Profiler got Corey Coleman's spark score wrong. Coleman's spark is actually in the 100th percentile. Really? Okay, do tell. Apparently, there's a blog citing Corey Coleman's shuttle time of 3.80. Corey Coleman didn't run the shuttle at either the NFL Scouting Combine or his Pro Day, so Corey Coleman doesn't have a shuttle. But there is a blog citing a 3.80 Corey Coleman shuttle time. It's using a Nike Camp shuttle time from multiple years ago. And oh, by the way, no 5'11 receiver in the last five years has posted a sub 3.90 shuttle time. So get out of here with this 380 time from some Nike camp that nobody cares about and no one should be paying attention to. Yeah, Corey Coleman's 40 time at that Nike camp was apparently five one hundredths of a second faster than he ran at the NFL scouting combine. So why are we using those numbers, those inflated camp numbers when Corey Coleman was a high school prospect? Why are we using those? I don't know. Those do not qualify as input factors on playerprofiler.com. So who's saying that Corey Coleman's spark score is in the 100th percentile? Amateur hack draftniks. That's who. Because there are always going to be amateur draftniks who claim to be analytical. But they're actually just draft breakdown couch scouts. Every month or so, I see a new guy pop up on Twitter with a new measurables database that goes back and tries to calculate spark. But fortunately for us, playerprofiler.com has become a trusted source for athleticism metrics. And there's a couple things that you all need to know about how we at playerprofiler.com calculate SparkX and set our percentile ranks on playerprofiler.com. Number one, the individual that helped me estimate the Spark formula in order to calculate our SparkX on playerprofiler.com, that person is the smartest person I know. He has a PhD in economics from Wharton. It's also not easy to calculate Spark. And if some high school kid says he has the Spark formula solved, he's lying. What we have on playerprofiler.com is a Spark X score, which is an approximation of Nike's Spark score. No one has solved the formula unless they've accessed the actual formula. And we haven't accessed the actual formula. Neither has hack amateur draftnik on Twitter. But if you think Spark is important, you need to make sure that the resource doing the calculation is A, consistent with its data sourcing, not just pulling numbers from some blog from some Nike camp years ago when Corey Coleman weighed significantly less than he weighs now. So that's not relevant. Using a Nike camp shuttle time as an input factor into a Spark score that you then compare to players whose Spark scores are derived from NFL scouting combine events is not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. And B, you need to make sure that the formula you're citing has been vetted by smart people. Again, the new guy on Twitter who says he's back-calculated Spark does not have the necessary credentials for me to be citing. And C, the data used to set percentile ranks cannot be skewed by survivorship bias. This is an under-discussed aspect of the playerprofiler.com percentile ranks. 
We include all data from all players who were on NFL 90-man rosters at some point in the last five years. That took hundreds of hours pulling data on both the NFL scouting combine results and especially pro days, oftentimes pro days from small schools. And in addition to that, going out and pulling all the small school stats to calculate things like college dominator rating, breakout age, college yards per reception. But we did it. The Roto Underworld team did it because that's the only way we know to get proper percentiles. Because if you're one of these guys that just goes back to 1999 and just pulls all players that were already successful at the NFL level and invited to the scouting combine, that skews everything and gives an improper representation of the player pool. Well, my percentile says that he's much better on average. And no! If you're just scraping the data from the combine back to 1999, that is not a proper representation of the player pool because we know players like good Michael Thomas weren't invited to the scouting combine. There are a lot of players, especially from small schools, that don't get an invite to the NFL scouting combine that participate in training camp. And some of them end up making final rosters. The workout metrics for those players matter. And that's one of the reasons why playerprofiler.com is unique. Because the results from the measurements of those players' athleticism scores, those players' workout metrics, makes its way into the playerprofiler.com percentiles. So we take a lot of pride that the data on playerprofiler.com is not skewed by survivorship bias in the way that many others are. If you think about it and take a step back, philosophically, we'd rather have percentiles that accurately reflect the NFL ecosystem than make sure that one football mega nerd is able to look up Charles Rogers 40 time. Because if we include Charles Rogers, we have to go back another five to 10 years, find everyone that was on a 90-man roster at one point in the last decade, and that's actually pretty much impossible to do. That's why Charles Rogers isn't on playerprofiler.com, and I don't see any way he ever could be. But people come and go in this football metric space all the time. And a lot of them think, oh, I can just copy and paste together a database and post a Google Doc on the web, and some team will hire me. I want to work in an NFL front office, and it's going to be pretty easy to just copy this data, generate some percentiles, post a Google Doc. <laughs> Done! Waiting by the phone! NFL team's going to call any minute now. Any minute. Any minute now. Just need to wait a little longer. Is this phone on? Okay, it's on. Okay, it's on. Good, good. Any minute now. I mean, some sites that post measurables online do good work. Playerprofiler.com isn't the only sound data source for things like workout metrics and approximate spark scores. Take field goals, for example. Field goals is the standard. They are the best, which is why I happily agreed to do their Dynasty Football podcast called Sonic Truth. Go to iTunes, search for Sonic Truth Pod if you want to subscribe to that podcast. I do. I do a broadcast for 200 episodes. Criticizing broadcasts, then here I am signing up to do a broadcast for Field Gulls. And it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. You should go check it out. Sonic Truth Pod on iTunes. Not just Field Gulls, though. There's Mock Draftable. They do a great job of collecting athleticism data across all positions. 
PlayerProfiler.com only does skill positions. So in that way, Mock Draftable is superior because they include defensive players, offensive linemen. My only issue with Mock Draftable is that I can't read spider charts. I just can't do it. That's my only issue with Mock Draftable. Any visualization that forces me to turn my head sideways and then upside down, forcing me to do a handstand on my desk while squinting, that's not something I can get much out of, but that's just me. That's just how I perceive things. For me, reading a spider chart is like trying to read hieroglyphics. Spider charts are predominantly used in the medical research field. And for me, they're just not an optimal way to visualize athletic measurables. But in this hack sports world that we live in, if a popular site like Mock Draftable deploys spider charts, the thinking is, well, heck, I'll just copy the way they present data and I'll take spider charts to the next level. Yeah, we'll call it Mock Draftable 2. Mock draft the best. <laughs> like, someone sent me a link to a new site that launched using spider charts. And it was launched by someone claiming to be an advanced metrics and sports analytics guru. He wrote that on his Twitter bio. <laughs> your website just launched and you're already a guru. Don't believe it? Well, you're saying it on your bio. Must be true. <laughs> this guy launched a new website that shockingly uses spider charts. <laughs> of course. And when I opened it up for the first time, I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be good. This should be interesting. So then I read the categories being measured within these spider charts. Play strength, competitive toughness, mental processing, play speed, as opposed to actual speed, and body control. Ah, yes, we've come full circle. For years, tape grinders have been masquerading as metrics people trying to enhance their credibility, drafting off of our credibility. And this website that I found represented the final dance. Just boom, subjective category. Boom, arbitrary evaluation. Dump into a spider chart. Slap on the word metrics. Publish. Go. Website. Done. NFL dreams. Realized. Call me, NFL teams. Call me. Call me. I'm here. The quintessential definition of a hack website. Remember the categories. Play strength. Competitive toughness. Mental processing. Play speed. Body control. In a spider chart on a metrics website. Yes, yes. Great metrics there. <laughs> yeah. Just a dictionary filled with film grinder gibberish buzzwords. That's all that is. By the way, Corey Coleman scored a 7 out of 7 in half of those metrics. Based on what measurement techniques? Am I allowed to ask that? <laughs> I mean, and by the way, who scored a 0 out of 7 in mental processing? I'd love to see that receiver. And again, how is that being measured? Are they doing brain scans over at this new website? I mean, <laughs> great mental processing. He's a 7. Pretty good mental processing. Eh, 5. Oh, this guy can't process anything mentally. Zero. I wonder how many wide receivers scored a zero. Just curious. And how do you measure body control? Is ESPN Sports Science doing this with suits and sensors? Do you have a partnership with them? How do you precisely measure body control? Quantify it. You can't. That's why these websites are absurd. It's just a guy who says he's a metrics person, but everything measured is pulled directly from chapter 6, verse 12 of the Film Grinder Gibberish Bible.